Welcome to the Haunting University Podcast, coming to you from the Rocky Mountain Home Haunter Studios. I'm John Schell. I'm Fiona Hutton. And I'm Leslie Reed. Guys, how are you doing today? Well, I found out there are mice in my walls. So... Probably going to cut that. Yeah. Yeah, you should, <laughs> you should cut that. Man. <laughs> or maybe I'll just God, bleep it. An, F, an F-bomb. Not I'm, even 10 seconds into the podcast. I'm very, have an F-bomb. very annoyed by the mice. On the bright side, it appears to only be mice, not rats. But if you had rats, you could name one of them Ratatouille or Remy was, or Emil. I was going to say, do they cook? Not, are they fuzzy? Um, we haven't actually seen them yet. We only hear them inside the walls, scuttling hey. and scurrying with their little mouse feet. Biting, no. Scampering, no. No scampering or stirring. You should actually, I mean... Pro tip for hunters out there: If you want to, you can record some of that. It's pretty spooky. Get some, get some good audio. <laughs> it, it's it must be very effective because uh, when we discovered them, my wife, all the color drained from her face. My two-year-old, who was trying to <laughs> use the potty at the time, uh, mostly successfully, uh, started screaming and crying, but wouldn't leave the potty. And my wife was too afraid to go back into the bathroom to retrieve him because of all of the scurrying. Uh, so, yeah, rodents appear to be a very effective uh, method of scaring for certain people. Yes, my sister is one of them. Yeah? She's she, she's had uh, mice infestations on a number of occasions at a number of her houses, and every time I get these very, very amusing texts or phone calls about the mice. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one. No, okay. you're not. So, thanks for All asking, right. John. I, I was looking for an opportunity to vent. So what are we I'm talking about? Really... <laughs> well, I don't know about you. I am so sorry that I asked. I... That was a mistake on my part. That's uh, okay. We we won't hold it against you. He would have gotten it to it eventually, so at least we're uh, getting it out of the way. Yes. So for the podcast today, we're going to be discussing, haha, getting us back on topic. Um... Much faster than usual at that. I know. Yes, well, um, haunt audiences both in terms of what we've done in the past and how do you tailor your haunt for what audience you are hoping to attract and or scare. Um, so we'll discuss a little bit about the haunt industry and kind of where it has come from. Um, it'll talk a little bit about where we've come from and how we've tailored our haunts to various ages. Um, and then we'll also discuss the current audience for the, the current average audience for the um, haunt industry as it stands now. Um, and things that you need, things to consider um, when designing your haunt, so that it actually does appeal to the audience that you want to appeal to. Nice outline. Now that Thank we've you. told you what we're going to tell you, I think it's time to tell you what we're going to tell you. <laughs> and then at the end, we may tell you what we told you. The hell did you just say? <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure I took a class once, twice, a hundred thousand times that told me that's what we're supposed to do. Was that a quadruple negative or something? Oh my so, god, something like that. Good, good god. <laughs> so, John, talk about. Why don't you talk a little bit about uh, our haunts, like our past haunts? So we've done a we've done a, quite a bit of haunts in the past, just varying from different themes um a lot of the time we've done just your um your normal haunted house you know just kind of a creepy look you have 
um, kind of the spooky atmosphere, the theme there, the, what the hell do you call that music we pump out? Uh, atmospheric sounds? Atmospheric music? Ah, thank you. Or atmospheric sound effects, rather, not music. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Atmospheric sound effects, you know, the unnerving music, where it just looks like your your average haunted house. Um, uh, stuff let like me, that. Uh, let me stop you for a sec. I, I want to sure. preface this part of the conversation. Um, we are, or we have been in the past, home haunters, and so... Very, all of our haunts are based at the house, and we have very much tailored those haunts to the audience that we would expect to show up on Halloween at our house. Trick or treaters makes sense. Which uh, we didn't have the for money those for the who focus groups. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you who. You know, trick-or-treaters can be of varying ages, um, and for the most part, the neighborhoods that we've put these haunts on... Um, suburbia. The, suburbia, <laughs> you know, these kids are parental paranoias, and they're in bed by eight, <laughs> and off the street by eight. Well... So, again, it's elementary to middle school age children. Um, very, very rarely did we get anybody high school, and it was, well, frankly, it was me and, and a... Mm, former person of ours that decided to stop by and, and be annoying. Um, That's how you so, get nailed in a coffin. Yes, well, we <laughs> didn't get nailed in a coffin, thank goodness. We threw water balloons at you guys instead. Um, but again, elementary school and middle school are the ages of most of the trick-or-treaters that would come by. Yeah, exactly. And uh, as you mentioned, most of them were accompanied by parents. Uh, we talked about in previous episodes a couple of times where we've had uh, parents who were less enthused about what we were doing. Uh, although for the most part, parents were overly enthused, and uh, more than once I got high-fived after making a kid wet himself. That's the kind of parent I strive to be, by the way. So if uh, my kids ever come to your home haunt, I will high-five you if you make them wet themselves. <laughs> I I feel like you probably shouldn't be on tape saying that. That's probably not a good. All right, thing. I may delete that part. Good call. <laughs> Get sent to a foster home after that. Yeah. yeah. So that was the audience that we were targeting uh, as we were designing our home haunts in the past. So, John, how did we do that? Again, depending on what theme we were going with. Um, but you're, especially with that age group, you know, we're going for something that that specific age group is going to find scary like also the other thing we, we did our um you mean like kidnappings? Wait, what what i didn't say anything i think the parents were more scared of kidnappings <laughs> than the children were as they were being ferried from house to house in minivans while some of us shouted you know in my day we had to walk every and you know we just go from there right but we <laughs> It also is is a tailored to your audience, but also we you know will invest some some time thinking about what is good in or what is popular in pop culture at the time. So when we did our zombie apocalypse, for example, Walking Dead was very very in at the time. Um, so we also perfect <laughs> had the little Daryl show up. That was perfect. Oh, I was. Uh, That's right. We did. One of my favorite. He was one of my favorite trick-or-treaters because he just got so into it. He had his little uh, Nerf crossbow and was shooting at all the zombies. And it was a pretty good shot for an eight-year-old. You know, you're only going to get to shoot the zombies so many times in your life like that. That's you need true. to take That's advantage. It. And nailed it. Loved it. But, yeah, stuff like that. So aiming, you know, just kind of for that, like you said, for that target group. 
Yeah, but we did a. Um, we were. <coughs> did we very, do a focus group and I wasn't told? Uh, no, there was no focus group. Unless you count, like, you, me, and Festy sitting around the kitchen table trying to figure out what was feasible. That was our focus group. Think, yeah. Well, and that's, that's also one of the things that did restrict us to focusing on that age group is simply the feasibility of what we wanted to do and what we were able to do. That's a great point. You know, most of my yeah. time, uh, I started home haunting when I was in sixth grade. And, I mean, I had no budget whatsoever except for what I could convince my parents to buy for me and for many years. And so uh, that feasibility was a key factor in um, designing our scares. But more than that, um, partly because, one, we were younger again, we were deliberately tailoring it to uh, people close to our age. And so there weren't a lot of, uh, like, gory-type scares. Uh, it was right. very... Uh, we used a lot of startles and atmosphere-based scares more than anything else. Less less carry, more Haunted Mansion. I don't know if I'd even go as far as Haunted Mansion. Well, that, that's a lot of ancient... No, I, I take it back. I'll buy that. Haunted Mansion with, haunted mansion with no budget. <laughs> yeah. That's what I strive for. <laughs> that's actually pretty accurate. It's like if Haunted Mansion was redone and they said you have $30, go. <laughs> And your three high school buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is key when you have only thirty dollars. And then when we when we did our Arkham Asylum haunted house, I think the thing that was we we were thinking about with that is not only would it be fun to do and fun for fun for our guests to you know take part in, but it's something that people will identify with and that they you know it's a very popular theme. Well, and especially at that point, it was very recognizable. DC was sure. just getting into you know, Suicide Squad had just come out, you know, or was getting ready to come out. Sure. The Arkham it was, video games were popular. The Arkham video games, you've got the DC universe was, you know, and the DC cinematic universe was expanding and, and trying to get their <laughs> figured out. Um, so, again, it, it was figured out. They just need to. At least the new Shazam trailer, as weird as that, that costume looks terrible. But at least it looks a lot lighter. There's only one Shazam in my world. Please don't. Please don't. You, you know who it is. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. I don't know who it is. You're going to be told in about two seconds, so you better fess up or uh, you're going to hear it anyway. So I think the thing with that haunted house, um, like, you said, like we said, it was just you know focusing on a popularity I, standpoint. I can't remember his name. What? Seriously, I can't remember the basketball player's name. What was his name? Oh, it's Michael Jordan. No, it's not. No, no, it's, not. It was, no um... it's the other one. You're talking. You're ta oh my god, you're talking about Kazam. Why did you bring up that terrible movie? <laughs> you know what? I am response. talking about Kazam. I take it back. You're <laughs> talking about Shaq in that horrible. Yes, Shaq. Yes. Sorry, not... It was Shaq. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm Just... thinking. I think basketball players in movies, and, and I immediately go to Space Jam. No, that's you, legit. Well, and I have no one. shame about that. No, that is a good movie. That's the best you, movie that has a basketball player in it. Like, you, I, I, oh, I had managed to block that out of my memory for <laughs> 20 years. You're welcome. Oh, uh, I do what I can. I forgot that was actually a thing. Hey, John. Oh, my God. Oh. Hey, John. My, oh. Hey, John. Hmm. Remember when we went to see Norbit in theaters? 
Oh, I am so glad I missed that day. <laughs> oh, I'm, I think I'm going to hurl. <laughs> uh, for those who have God, never I, seen Norbit, uh, continue don't. with that trend. <laughs> God, I think I forced my parents to take me to see because I'm, oh, God, I feel so bad now. You should. I do. Then we've got Shazam. 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 I take it back. Continue. I don't even know where I was going. <laughs> that's fair. It's okay. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. What's so, next? so that's what we did for uh, for many, many years, trying to tailor our haunts to the trick or treaters that we were expecting, and trying to make it a memorable night for them for that age. But also, if uh, and and despite the 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 startle scares and the goal of scaring them, we also did want to make it fun. That's it. We, right. you know, we were. Halloween was a lot of fun for us, and part of that reason was because so many people, when we were trick-or-treaters, had made it memorable. And so we were really trying to give that same um, sense that we had when we were trick-or-treating uh, so that one day maybe they would become home haunters as well. I hope you're out there. Right. So and <laughs> some of them are. Listening to us. But Talking yeah, about how we made you wet your pants when you were three. Uh, less likely, but <laughs> it's and it's again, it's a, like Leslie said. I mean, we did a lot of startle scares. It's one thing to have like a we did a lot of mummies and you know Grim Reapers jumping out at you, not like blood spurting from the walls or you know anything like that. <laughs> Which is not to say we didn't do that later. And no, of course not. Yeah, one of the really nice things about working with trick or treaters is that you could pretty reliably count on when you were going to receive what ages of kids so at the very earliest part of the night usually before the sun was even going down we're talking like four o'clock the uh it was when you were going to get the really young kids your preschoolers your kindergartners maybe into first grade uh, and then as the night wore on you get older kids and so that allowed us to very easily um start with lighter scares at the beginning of the night and as the night wore on go to more elaborate and uh, scary scares. Sure. I'll buy that. Scary scares. <laughs> like a terrifying clown with a base or excuse me, with a hammer and an electrified fence. Well, we really did that all the way from the beginning, but yes, trying to get, trying it's to get the little ones candy. They so. gave it to me. I stole nothing. Everything was given of their own free will. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, right. Given, Given, yes. Coerced is... Coerced is a better word, yeah. Mm-hmm. There was no coercion. It was all coercion. There was nothing but coercion. Right. How much yeah, so... did you get that night? <laughs> I have to know. Um, honestly, not as much as I was hoping for. I think I only got like five or six pieces. And for 300 guests, that's actually not yeah, a great... Actually. Not a great... Yeah, night. like I said... I stole no. If I was actually walking around stealing candy or coercing, there would have been a lot more candy coming through that fence, <laughs> electrified or not. Fair enough. So that's where. Uh, so that's what we've done in the past, and now that we are trying to gear up to taking our uh, our haunted houses and um, going pro, we started doing some research into what the uh, haunted house industry, what that audience start, is really starting to look like. What does it look like, Kay? Uh, that's a question for Leslie. She's done most of that research. What does it look like, Leslie? <laughs> to understand where the haunted house is now, you have to understand where it came from. And the idea of haunted houses really actually doesn't start with anything professional. It starts with 
the you know earliest ages of people believing that the spirits of their of deceased rel- relatives were still in their home and this is where the idea of a haunted house really does come from where it's you know things happening lights turning off and on candles getting blown out a door slamming and people taking that as a sign that their loved one is either around or severely angry and unhappy with them depending on which era why which did tradition. you paint my room because it was purple and it needed to be green. <laughs> well, they thought it was relatives. It was really Gary Busey. I'm pretty sure that's what that was. <laughs> but what so the the idea of a professional haunted house and taking these fears and concerns out of the home and turning them into, for lack of a better word, really sideshow attractions, actually begins. Um, in the really the 19th century, um, early early 19th century in London with Marie Tussaud, um, who created an exhibition of wax sculptures depicting figures executed in the French Revolution. And I don't know about you, but if uh, all of my experiences and wax museums have made, left me more creeped out than any haunted house I have ever been to. How many wax museums have you been to? More than I want to admit. <laughs> Is it double digits? Thank God, no. <laughs> so, sure but it is I, more than one. <laughs> so, did you go to the one when we, when we were in New York? I did not go to the one in New York, no. Okay. Um, but I've been to the one in Vegas twice. It got Good creepier God, the second time. <laughs> I blame my punishment. wife. Yeah, something like that. I think we all are in some way. Yeah, well, we are doing this, aren't we? Exactly. Continue. (laughs) So this was kind of the first real, you know, historical example, kind of taking this out of it being a localized and a very personal thing and really putting it on display. Um, You know, later on, the in Paris, the Grand Guggenau Theater um, became notorious for if. Uh, depicting all sorts of horrendous and graphic violent acts, dismemberment, um, etc. If you want examples, and a really, really good example of a lot of these kind of horror themes in the 19th century, um, actually watch Penny Dreadful. And the concept of Penny Dreadfuls, which were... They were penny magazines that you could pick up on the street, and they would have sensationalized stories um, in them. Um, Jack the Ripper became great fodder in the Penny Dreadfuls. Um, Dracula, Frankenstein, all of these stories really came out of and were expanded upon in these Penny Dreadfuls. Um, and the, the TV series is actually really, really good. So, you know, the director of the Grand Guggenau actually was he, – he would judge the success of each of his productions by how many people passed out – were sick, um, fled the theater screaming because of how horrendous and and what he was showing. Um, But with all of this, you know, it just kind of continued. So very, very small. You start to get, you know, house-to-house parties um, in the 1930s where trick-or-treaters would, you know, you'd set up these scenes in your basement and trick-or-treaters would would go through. So, again, kind of the earliest form of home haunting, which is focused on trick-or-treating. So you kind of have these two streams of um, 
evolution in what becomes what we know now as a haunted house. So you have the very, very graphic um, horror shows really designed for adults, and you have these fun little scenes designed for kids. Uh, and they really kind of start to merge, and the first real merging of them um, truly is, you know, the, the first real icon of it is Disney's um, Haunted Mansion Woo! in 1969. So... And this is really what took it from being either something that was exclusively for those who are looking for something horrific and those who are putting on a little show for the kiddies and really kind of puts it together into a larger audience production. That That is a fantastic example, Les. Uh, in fact, I have many... Uh, many thought, that comes up frequently in the books I'm reading about Imagineering. <laughs> Yeah. So it, it's really, again, it's it's this, you have these dark, you know, horror, horror items, and then you have this kind of fun that kind of plays on, you know, a lot of still in very ingrained fears of ghosts passing through and witches and things popping out of nowhere, ghosts sitting beside you, um, and really kind of bringing this all together. I mean, the, the concept of otherworldly, otherworldly events jumping into our existence is is not something new. You can go back to the witch trials, Salem. It, it's in every culture. It's in every society. Um, doesn't matter where you are on the globe. There is something about having these extraworldly, supernatural beings intruding upon our existence that is both horrifying and fascinating. And I think it's universal. I mean, you see it across every culture. You do. Uh, every culture has its form of ghost stories. And, you know, and there there's a lot of commonalities. There's actually a really, really great collection of um, horror tales um, and, you know, ghost stories and monster stories in uh, Chinese literature. There's actually a whole bunch in Chinese literature. But there's a collection by an author named Pusong Li, um, and, or Pusong Ling, and they are... They are surreal to read. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you can even go to the Grimm's Fairy Tales, the, the original, not Disney. <laughs> um, the Grimm's Fairy Tales were dark. They were not. <laughs> there were yes, happy they endings. Were. Yes. Like, there was no such thing as a happy ending in the Grimm's Fairy Tale. Um, you watch Cinderella as a kid and then you read the real Cinderella story? Yeah. Well, I mean, what's wrong with <laughs> mutilating feet? I mean, no, mutilating does that, feet, right? dancing in. Um, metal shoes that were been put on a fire to heat up. Crows all, picking people's eyes out. It's, it's all it's all in a day's work. Um, but, I mean, we, we as a culture, we as a, as a culture of, of humanity, not, not just talking about American culture or, or anything else, but we as a culture of humanity, have a fascination with the macabre. People don't want to admit it, but they're fascinated with the exotic and the macabre. It's why we stare at it. And really, this the haunted houses have really come out of that, and they've gone through multiple iterations. You know, kind of starting. You've got the Knoxbury Farms Halloween attractions. <laughs> um, you you have the evangelical Christians and their anti-Halloween attractions with the hell houses, and trying to use this to scare people into following the evangelical Christian path. Um, you get into you know the the 80s and the 90s and the Hollywood. You've got Halloween, you've got, you know, Freddy Krueger, you've got all of these creepy little monsters, you the know, classic sla the classic, the classic slasher. Um, and you, even, even before that, you, you want to talk slasher, 
Chainsaw Massacre. My I first one was in what, the 1970s. Chainsaw Massacre, one of my favorites. Both, I even mean, the remake is, I think, did a good job. So, I mean, there's, and even to this day, there is a large section of Hollywood films that are, sla- I mean, the Saw series, the, I mean, there is a huge section and a huge following. revenue generating following um, for these types of things. Um, professional haunted houses really emerged out of this, um, and they've had all sorts of issues, you know, safety issues. The, there was a fire in, at a house, a haunted house in New Jersey that ended up killing eight teenagers, after which a lot more regulations were put into place, which is why we've talked so much about safety regulations and getting your code checked. If you're doing anything larger than putting up, you know, a couple of... You know, spider webs and tombstones on your front yard, you should probably read up on your safety codes um, because of these sorts of situations. So with all of that, the haunted house industry as it stands today comes from a very, very long line of fascination, obsession, and desire to be scared and to really, and it's not necessarily to be scared, but to come out the other side and be like, okay, I made it through that. Yeah, I think a lot of it is uh, it, people see it as a way to put themselves in unsafe situations safely. Yeah. Uh, you get the thrill of uh, I'm being in put danger. into – Yeah, you get the thrill – exactly. You get the thrill of danger, um, but it's in a controlled situation. Yeah. Well, and, and again, it, it's the same reason of, you know, you've got these people who they love this – you know, they love Saw. They love <clears throat> these movies that are, you know, 90% of everybody dies at the end of it. <laughs> and it's the and it's it's literally that chance of you walk into a haunted house knowing that you're going to survive, this. but I want to test myself against this. I want to convince myself that yes, if I was in a horror movie, you know, th- there's the BuzzFeed quizzes of if you were pick, pick <laughs> these things and would you survive a horror movie? Uh, it's it's that question of am I really able to survive or not? In a case where you will always survive. So that's really kind of the, the a very, very brief history <laughs> of haunted houses um, and kind of where where they come from and the the, the history behind this, this fascination. And it's not new um, to, to anybody who, who tries to say haunted houses and the desire to be scared really only comes out of, you know, the 20th century bullshit. <laughs> to be perfectly <laughs> blunt, bullshit. Yep. It's not new. Yeah. So, but where's the industry going today? Well, um, Leslie and I had the opportunity to attend a couple talks. We we've talked about him often uh, by Mr. Leonard Pickle uh, of Entrepreneurs.com, uh, and he's really considered like the godfather of the haunted house industry. He's been designing haunted houses for forty some years and is just a enormous wealth of knowledge about uh, everything from design to the industry um, and attracting audiences. He's he is he encompasses the entire body of knowledge of the haunted house industry, and so we had a lot of opportunities to uh, pick his brain about the industry and about how to break in, which is really what we're trying to do. Um, he was quoted in a Washington Post article, and I'll put a po- I'll put a link to it in uh, on our Facebook page, where. So I do want to add one thing to kind of the, the history of the haunted house and and how they're designed. Go for it. Um, so, you know, again, you go through a haunted house and it's kind of like a maze. A lot of that actually comes out of the Winchester Mystery House. 
What is the Winchester Mystery House? So the Winchester Mystery House was, and actually the movie just came out or is coming out soon um, about it. So this was the personal residence of the widow of the firearm, Winchester as in the Winchester rifle. And she designed this house. It's a trip. Um, it's <laughs> you, you, you go up stairwells that have no exit. You won't open doors that don't go anywhere. Um, you walk into rooms that aren't the right size for what they should be. And the, the rumor is that she designed this house out of fear of the um, anybody who'd ever been killed by one of her husband's rifles was going to be coming after her. And by making a house that they couldn't navigate, she would be kept safe. Um, it's it's in uh, San Jose, California. And you can actually go through and tour it, but it's it's this was created out of this idea that the ghosts could not navigate the house. And so therefore she would be protected from any vengeful spirits who might um, blame her for her husband's invention. I want to see this house. We need to do a road trip. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it is a it is a trip of a house, and there's a you know again, haunted houses in general. Like you can go tour locations that are genuinely believed to be haunted um, because of events that have happened there, um, and and all sorts of, of things. And you know again, the Winchester Mystery House is believed to be haunted. It's also believed that there's an enormous treasure there hidden somewhere. In the how like there's a lot of rumors and and that's the other thing about these you know haunted houses and and these types of events and places is they're fantastic rumor mills. It doesn't even need to be something that has any relevance or or legitimacy, but because they are in and of themselves such a unique item, um, they just gen they, they end up like almost self generating all of these stories and tales. Okay, are you salivating? Yeah, a little bit. I, I seriously, we need to go see this place. Where's it located? San Jose, California. Uh, I hate the sharks though. We don't have to go for the hockey team. Maybe you could vandalize the stadium a little bit if that makes you feel any better. That would that would actually make me feel a little better. But okay. again, that's not something we should put on recording. <laughs> A little late for that. Thanks, John. <laughs> reasonably sure he can edit that out. Uh, well, well, guess we'll find out, won't we? <laughs> All I have to do is not vandalize the thing. Just... <laughs> How hard will that be? Oh. Do you really need to ask that question? Yeah, no. Okay. Uh, I found a great Washington Post article uh, that talks about how the haunted industry has shifted in the last several years. It's a little bit dated. It's from 2000, um, but it has some uh, interesting numbers. So uh, I'm reading directly, quoting, According to a 1998 survey in Leonard Pickles magazine, uh, Haunted Attraction magazine, the average haunted house had 10,000 visitors and took in $42,000. It found that the business was growing at an average annual rate of 29%. Experts say the industry has become geared to an older audience. Five years ago, most haunted house customers were 12 to 25 years old. Now, 15 to 35-year-olds are the core group. So even you know, 18 years ago, they found that uh, older people are, starting to, are, are wanting to come to haunted houses. It's it goes becoming on to more say, of a pop culture thing now. It's, it's, I think that's absolutely 
Absolutely correct. It talks a little bit about um, Brutal Planet, which was a Six Flags haunted house at the time, and it says... Um, the age shift is evident at the Brutal Planet attraction. Six Flags won't release exact numbers on attendance or ticket sales, but the attraction's operators say a steady number of parents and other adults paying $40 each have put in nightly attendance in the thousands during October. Dang. Impressive. Yeah, I don't think we're there yet, but I mean, one day I would love to be. (laughs) Well, but again, this is something that has continued to grow. You hear regularly of all the new haunts that pop up you know every year there's always a a, 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 you know a race to outdo or to you know there's a lot of competition there's a lot of what can we do that's new and different you how can we differentiate ourselves and our scares um and part of that is with audience do we want to be something that is quote unquote fun for the whole family or do we want it to be we're going to take a 21 year old frat boy and (laughs) make him throw up and pee his pants i mean that one does sound appealing i'm not gonna lie always i know there are there are a fair amount of if if, there are a fair amount of haunted attractions that again this is if you have the capital as well as the the land basically but there are a fair amount that offer a little bit of both yeah that's (laughs) true and this article actually does a pretty good job of talking about that. Um, it's interviewing a uh, a gentleman from the Haunted Kingdom in Beltsville, which is outside of uh, Washington D.C. It's a nonprofit haunt that taught kids about avoiding abduction through their storyline. By trying uh, to abduct them. I mean, I, I can't. They, it doesn't get. It doesn't go into it, so I really can't say. Okay. I feel like if you get abducted, do they just tell you, "Hey, you're bad at this"? I mean, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the owner, uh, the owner of the attraction, a man named Edward Jagan, uh, he says talking about uh, talking about the Six Flags, Brutal Planet. Uh, he says that they spend a lot of money, but they have no imagination. If you don't have creativity, you have to go that way. And at the end of the article, he goes on to say, uh, they do their show, we do an experience. I've always ha- said, uh, God help them if we ever got money. <laughs> I like it. But that is I also, I mean, you can put on a whole host of things with enough money, sure. but it's completely different to provide an experience that really does stick with. And I think the the events that really last that don't have you know backing of Six Flags, they are things that you provide an experience. People want to come back and try it again. People want to come back and do it and, and keep having that experience or, or, you know, changing up that experience slightly. So that there's a lot of that that really does play into money isn't everything. Creativity does matter quite a bit. Absolutely. I remember uh, I visited the haunted house at Six Flags in Denver a couple of times when I was in high school and what I was, so I never found it particularly scary, but I was always impressed by the way a temporary structure could be made to feel permanent. And so I've tried to use that, um, use that same theory when I'm building my haunts. But um, what I remember most distinctly is that there was nothing to tie the haunted house together. It was a winding twisty path with light with bad lighting and smoke effects no storyline just moving from startle from scare to scare to scare with nothing to 
back it up. It's it's just a series of scares as you're walking through a hallway. So it's a series of one-offs, basically. It, that that that's it. It's it's a series. Yeah, it's a series of one-offs, and it wasn't it wasn't memorable. I mean, the most memorable part of that haunted house for me was the freaking structure. I remember nothing about you know. I remember how the floors were connected to the walls and uh, how they put together the ceiling. I remember placement of lighting and stuff, but I don't remember anything about the scares themselves. I don't remember anything about the experience, just the construction. That basically tells the story right there. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, that's one of the major reasons that we try to ground our haunt in a storyline, because when you bring your customers into a story, it makes it for a much more memorable experience. Well, let's take Arkham, for example. We were telling them, you know, hey, we need... You're bringing them into the story. Hey, we need your help to take back the asylum or, you know, something like that. Or we... Yeah, you're really so we've, I've done a lot of talking in the last couple episodes about uh, Imagineering. And uh, I've, I'm working through with this absolutely wonderful book called uh, The Imagineering Pyramid, which talks about 15 specific, uh, call it building blocks, uh, that Walt Disney Imagineering uses to produce their attractions. And number two on the on those blocks is the creative intent. Creative intent is the specific design goals the designer wants to accomplish with a specific project. So earlier, Leslie was talking about uh, Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion's creative intent is a spine-tingling tour through an eerie haunted estate, home to ghost schools and supernatural surprises. You're not you're not going to start talking about visual magnets, are you? Uh, that's. One, two, three, four, five. That's number six, so no, we're not there yet. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our creative intent with Arkham was to... Um, how do I want to say it? Uh, was to... We're taking them through... We're trying to create an experience for them where... what? Okay, you probably remember even better than I do, but we had... Um, posted somewhere basically saying that we prefaced it by saying I'd, I'd have to go look for exactly what it is but prefaced it by saying basically hey the it's Halloween night on Arkham Asylum and the inmates are loose and you know Batman and the Justice League everybody else the police are not coming to help us it's it's on you so it's kind of can that you can you survive the scariest place on earth on the scariest night of the year or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it was very similar to that, but basically, you know, winding through the corridors of, you know, the scariest, craziest place on earth. Well, but I bet it's, you know, that's what we were, you know, advertising, but the intent for us, really in a lot of ways, the creative intent was, this is something that we greatly enjoy, and it's an experience that we wanted to share in a fun and interactive way with everybody else. So the intent was to give you know, the the trick-or-treaters and the people who came through an experience of Arkham Asylum that we wanted to share and that we had um, and to take something that we really did believe is meaningful and fun and give that to them as a way that they can kind of either get into the fandom of DC and, and you know, the whole Batman Ar and Arkham or just, you know, come away with, ooh, Asylum. <laughs> Yeah, so you could sum up our creative intent with something like, "I'm trying to get it like I'm trying to get into like a one sentence, um, giving the guests the experience of fighting off classic villains in our slogan." Welcome to the madhouse. 
<laughs> fighting off classic give the guests the experience of fighting off classic villains in the scariest place on earth or something like that that works and you know, again even if you can't sum it up in one sentence which can be very very difficult um, anybody who approaches anything artistic anything that they want to produce and share music, art, stories poetry Haunted house, makeup, costumes, when you are creating something to share and to bring to other people, if you do not have an idea or something behind it that has meaning and really, and again, intent, um, it's going to fall flat. It is going to feel hollow if there is not a passion behind it that you can see and feel um, through what is ultimately created, then it is going to come out hollow. And that's really where that creative intent of the architect makes a huge difference. Yeah, that creative right. intent is what we are using to uh, keep us grounded in our storyline. Right. Well, and I think people could tell through, through especially through Arkham, that, you know, for lack of better terminology, that was our baby. I mean, we put so much work and passion and effort into that. It's a labor of love. And and I think it really came through. Even, you know, everyone that we, everyone who came through and visited Arkham was like, wow, I love what you guys have done, even though it, you know, looks like shit to us. It looked like shit, but people were amazed by it. Well, I mean, I, they I they appreciated a, the effort. Well, I had a conversation with a guy as, you know, you know, entertaining. And... Um, you know, he was commenting on my choice of doing Harley as, you know, primarily black and red. <laughs> um, again, this is right around the time of Suicide Squad. So Harley was was pink and blue. And I, with the exception of makeup where I, and hair, where I did bring in the blue instead of the black, um, he was commenting on the fact of, like, you really thought this out. Like, you chose to go with the more traditional version. Um, and, and we had this whole conversation of... The, the 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 popularity of, of Harley at the at the time was was the red and blue wearing the you know baseball uni- baseball shirt and, and and booty shorts you know given the fact that I have no business pulling that off right now and no interest in freezing my ass off that really also wasn't the Harley that I fell in love with that you sure. know the Harley that I started with you know the Harley that to me is is the epitome of of that character is the original is the cartoon. You know the the original animated version of, in Batman, um, and that's really thank you for for creating such a delightful character. Um, for whatever it's worth, well, oh, go ahead. Sorry, but but that's where it started, and you know just the fact that they noticed that hey, you didn't go with the most popular version, which means at bare minimum you did your research. At bare minimum you went and said, <laughs> oh, movie Harley is not the first Harley. Side note: We did actually get some feedback from the creators of Harley Quinn, Bruce Tim and Paul Dini, who both loved what we did with the character and then loved what we were doing with the haunted house, which was really, which is really fun to hear that from them. Oh, it was super exciting. Also, side note, you talk about Harley's popularity. The only co- better selling comic character right now in DC comics is Batman. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. She is more popular than Superman, which Personally, I think it's awesome. But, well, it's not hard, but... <laughs> the latest oh. Superman has not been impressive. Exactly. 
still more still higher sales than anything Wonder Woman anything it's impressive. I saw a really fun meme the other day that was comparing or comparing uh, DC versus Marvel. (laughs) (laughs) Which aspect? Well, in this case, it was DC heroes should brood a lot and deal with weighty subjects. Marvel, he's a raccoon with a rocket launcher. (laughs) (laughs) I will say though, in Marvel's you know defense, and not in DC's. They deal with some weighty subjects using a raccoon with a rocket launcher. They do. Fact. They 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 really take they take Joss Whedon's line of make it dark, make it depressing, you know, make it brutal. But dear God, at the end of the end of the day, tell a joke. <laughs> and they took that, you know, d- despite arguments on whether or not Joss did a great job or a terrible job on anything. I'm not getting into that. Despite everything, they took that to heart. And at the end of the day. Make a joke. Who wants shawarma? <laughs> <laughs> and you can go to every single film, regardless of the director, and that intent and that feeling is there. Regardless of how dark and depressing it gets, you get the funny line. You get the raccoon with the rocket launcher. You get Groot all, waving at All Gamora. of Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the 80s God. called. They want their everything back. <laughs> you get Shuri. What are those? <clears throat> Les, have you seen Ragnarok? I did. I've not oh. seen Ragnarok. I did just watch, watch Black Panther. Oh my gosh, oh. go see Ragnarok. It's know, the it's most fun list. I've had in so long. Wait. Yeah, it's you on watched, my list. I, I, don't, I had to watch Panther? Black Panther. I had to watch okay. Black Panther. I, I did. So, I did. I watched it twice now. Black I watched Panther it twice now. Awesome. Oh, okay, we are like so super off topic. Yes, we are. So, my unique. Thor, Wonder Woman, Last Jedi, and then there's one more. Oh, there's many more than that, but getting us back on topic. (laughs) So because we've wandered so far off topic, John, I think this is a great time to take a break and talk about our social media campaign. I'm assuming you're going to cut most of that out. Uh, We'll see what happens. (laughs) Some of it's relevant. Makes me really nervous. Um... We we drifted so carefully from (laughs) relevant discussion into... Not so much. Yeah. Not so much that I'm not sure I'm going to be able to edit out without cutting you, like good will you, content. Will you edit out? We'll this see what portion. happens. I will definitely edit out the portion where I talk about whether I'm going to edit out this portion. What about this moment right now? The, this moment I'm going to have to leave because it's like spaceballs. Uh, because we're talking about editing a portion of editing a portion of editing a portion, and so that's like thirty-two I'm just start... portion edits. I'm just going to start dropping F-bombs wherever I need it to be. It, it's like a fourth wall break. It's like a fourth wall break. It's like a fourth wall break. That's like 16, 16 walls. 16 walls. <laughs> Seriously, that is my favorite line from any movie ever. <laughs> ever? Yeah. Ever. My other thought was it's very, very space balls. But this moment, tight, this moment tight. happening now. <laughs> no, we're in this moment happening now. You have to go to the moment that's not happening now. Yeah, so back on topic. Uh, John, you talk about our social media? Before I do that, because my my voice is going, but I'd I'd be remiss if I didn't do that. Hey, I bet! (laughs) Eat that guy. Okay, I'm done now. That was was needed. It it had to be done. So right now, you can find us on Twitter at at HauntingUniver1. That's Haunting, U-N-I-V-E-R-1. Good place to check it out. We post the podcast there as well as pictures of haunts, some cool articles, some good content that we do, polls, 
Um, and then also, if you want to be featured in any of the podcasts, certainly uh, send us a question, and we'll see if we can get you on on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, where can where can you find our Facebook information at? Yeah, our Facebook page is uh, facebook.com slash haunting you with just the letter U. That's haunting you. Uh, and same thing, that it, uh, everything that gets posted on Twitter will also get posted on Facebook. Uh, we have all the pictures from the haunts that we've ever done there, uh, some links to awesome products that we love and uh, some partners that we've been uh, communicating with. And then you can find the podcast uh, through iTunes, Stitcher, uh, but the place that I recommend most is Podbean. Uh, that's where we host all of our episodes, and uh, it distributed distributes it everything everywhere else. Uh, highly recommend the Podbean app. It's been on my phone for six months now, and I absolutely adore it. Um, highly recommended, not just for us, but for all podcasts. So one thing we wanted to do on the show is kind of start some. It's putting the new segment where you guys can. We just want to get to get to know you a little better. You guys can get to know us a little bit better. Um, so for just a couple minutes, just to deviate just a little bit, we're going to start featuring a segment on the show where we ask, we just post some interesting questions this week. And this portion right here has nothing to do with the haunting of the Halloween. We're just taking a quick break for some basic, uh, just nonsense is probably the best way to describe it. That, actually, that, I do have perfect. to say that we have specialized in nonsense for most of our lives. <laughs> I was to say, we specialize in nonsense on and off the show. Carry this on. Not, <laughs> right. This may not even be the best on nonsense. Some of it I wish we'd gotten on tape back then, but oh well. For years. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I know. You have a lot of recorded nonsense on tape. Uh, we don't, yeah, we don't have that. And one day I may find a way to bring it into... Oh, this. yes, please. <laughs> you swore you would never know. <laughs> No, um, we're gonna we're gonna pose a question, and then we'll discuss it quickly. And you two have no prior knowledge of this, which is good because you won't be able to plan your answers. <laughs> I I was listening to a podcast, and I got this idea. They were doing kind of a similar thing, like let's get to know us a little bit better, just so you can kind of get our our two cents on what kind of a weirdo we are. And I think that qualifies for us. Um, so they posed a question and. Yeah, just kind of, just kind of tossed it around. I'm going to use that question that they used because I thought it was interesting, and then I've got a couple more I wanted to go over with you guys. Fair enough. <clears throat> First one, we're playing a little game of Would You Rather. Oh God. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> this one, the one they used, which I thought was actually, it has some fairly significant social implications. Get on with it. Would you rather high five? Every person you interact with, any at all times, doesn't matter what the situation is. Or you have to give a wedgie to everyone in a green shirt. Bearing in mind that when I say every interaction, I mean everyone. There are no exclusions. So if you go to a funeral, you have to high-five the grieving family. If but at your the same time, is, if I go to a funeral and anyone's wearing green shirt, I have to give them a wedgie? You may have to high-five them, and yeah. You have to give them a wedgie. I hope at a funeral they're not wearing a green shirt, but... You know what? That this, this is an easy one for me. I would 100% wedgie the crap out of everyone in a green shirt. <laughs> are you Now, are you doing that because that's your preference, or because the... Just by just pure numbers, you're going to see less people in a green – you're going to interact with less people in a green shirt. Well – What's your reasoning? 
that that that's fair. And I do want to mention that I'm wearing a green shirt right now, so I think I would end up wedging myself. Can that you, being said, can you put your son on the mic real quick? No. <laughs> that being said, uh, I would. Well, I would do it because I don't like people. Uh, I tend to be an introvert. Except that's our one of the listeners. Of course. Mm. Uh, but that's actually one of the reasons I got into haunting, because I didn't like interacting with people. It was much more fun to make them scream and run away. Um, well, that would do it. So, uh, having to interact positively with every person. The reason that we're person, still around is because we didn't scream and run away even when he tried to make us. It's true. It's true. That's yeah, how I knew that, they were keepers. That is absolutely true. Okay, so you've selected... What you, now, before you before you stick to that, I want to point out two things. Okay. So ahead. if you're 100%, if you're, say, because you're in the military, if the admiral walks in in a green polo, you are, you have to wedgie him. That 100%. just is what it is. Okay. I, I would 100% thing, wedgie the admiral. <clears throat> the other thing, you will likely, given the amount of alcohol involved and the temperament of many people, you will likely not survive St. Patrick's Day. I accept that. Risk. I'm just pointing that out right now. <laughs> <laughs> you I, might I recognize that as a possibility. Okay. Okay. Leslie, what is your answer? High five. I have enough of a resting bitch face that I don't tend to get into that many interactions. <laughs> and I also, it says high five, but I believe that else will qualify as high five someone upside the back of the head. And that will definitely minimize the amount of interactions I have to deal with. So you have no problem with the funeral. Sorry for your lost five. You have no problem with... Nope. I, okay. I'm sorry for your last fives are are key. Nope. No problem with that. I'd also would not go be against you know the green because I will simply argue that that is not green. That is a certain shade, and therefore not technically green. I think you're taking advantage of the the question, but we'll, we'll go with that. It all was right. non-specific <laughs> as to a lot of True. things, and therefore I will make any and all judgment calls that I feel necessary. Any and right. all shades of green. We'll go with that. But all right, so we have a high five and a wedgie. To be, to be fair, I, to be fair, uh, women are able to see more shades of color uh, than men are. It's true. This is true. And we usually have names for all of them. Isn't that true? Yeah, Ashley's trying to teach the boys that, and it's not going well. <laughs> they can't tell the difference between eggshell and off white. I can't tell the difference between eggshell and off white either. I have been to Home Depot and seen those and literally thought there's no difference between these. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, eggshell is an off-white. Well, it also depends on what light you have it under, because that does make a difference on whether or not you notice and whether or not it's high-gloss, matte, demi-gloss, or any of the varying um, glossy shades. It does make a difference as to... (laughs) For more of a discussion on that, see our episode on lighting. Oh, wow. (laughs) Either way, I think um, just given the social implications of it, high-fiving someone even at an inopportune moment is going to be less drastic than wedging someone, especially if it's someone important like your boss or something like that. So I'm, I'm going high-five. If you high-five, if you high-five someone at a funeral, for example – you get a few dirty looks and then it's over with it in a few seconds. If you wedgie your boss or God, okay, my my point. What if Ashley walks in in a green shirt? You're you're done. I I wedgie her routinely anyway. So moving on. Um, 
don't think <laughs> that needs to be elaborated on. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so that was the one uh, that was the one I heard from the podcast. So thank you guys for that because I thought that one was interesting. We're gonna do some some interesting questions uh, going forward on every show. We're not gonna deviate too much from the haunted house because that's information because that's why you're listening. But we just wanted to give you guys a chance to get to know us a little bit better. So if you guys have any interesting thoughts like that, just an interesting question about we you know we I'm trying to think there was a few on there like what's the weirdest food combination you've ever had or or another peanut you butter like? and Doritos. Well, actually, that's whoa. Everyone else that tells actually me doesn't it's weird. sound that weird. It's delicious. I could I could see that actually. I probably good. had weirder, but that's usually the one that come up comes up the most frequently when people ask me things like that. And yeah, peanut butter and Doritos, it's delicious. Hmm. Okay. Okay, I don't Fair even want to know. <laughs> I honestly don't even know uh, yeah. oh, and you know why and I don't I, think I want to get into it on the show <laughs> oh, I know the answer to that question um, but yeah if you moving away from that if you <laughs> so if you guys think of any interesting questions or anything like that that you want us to go over to debate send a, send a tweet to us at huntinguniver1 that's haunting U-N-I-V-E-R-1 or hit us up on our Facebook page sure so, so where do we go from here? I don't know. I'm losing my voice now. <laughs> how do we take how do we take this and what is our target audience for Patient Zero? That's really the next question. Like we talked about earlier uh, in that class with uh, Leonard Pickle, uh, he talked about how he, or the audience that he designs for, and I think it was well one very informative, two kind of hilarious, and three probably exactly what we should all be doing he designs his haunts for 18 to 25 year old white males and why is that that is the demographic that has the least to fear it's about time those white males finally got some attention (laughs) don't get me started (laughs) sarcasm sarcasm (laughs) uh yeah that that would be a an enormous discussion all by itself and i'd rather not get into it (laughs) sarcasm less sarcasm well, better be. It was. <laughs> I know, I know. I don't have to worry about you two. But, again, grr. Uh, but it is. It, it is the audience that they don't... They don't have natural predators. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Interesting how that. you said that. Okay, before we get too far and before my voice gives out, I will put it up on Twitter. Kay will put it up on Facebook. Anyone, that should be our question for the next show. What is the predator of the white male? <laughs> Not the white shark. I don't want to hear any orcas. Oh, well, actually. No. Hmm. Actually, I think I've seen some SeaWorld trainers that were white get eaten by. That's on the, that's on the list. Fair enough. So, something to think about for the next show. Uh, awesome. Most of you will not have heard it because I ended up doing a lot of editing and cutting it out. But we have, uh, as we we started drifting into what I think will be the topic of our next episode, and that's really where we start figuring out how do we design scares for that target audience. And it's turning into a much larger discussion than I think we want to try to cram into this one episode. So look forward. Uh, so our next episode is going to be talking about designing individual scares for our patient zero haunt and uh, how we're designing that for the target audience. So look forward to that. All right, guys, anything else to add? If you have any questions for us again, as always, you can reach us on Facebook and on Twitter. 
Um, we will take questions if you have more questions on history of haunted houses, um, you know, where to get more information, um, kind of really how if you're if you're wondering how to scare, you know, the target audience at a haunted house, well we again we are too. <laughs> <laughs> and that will be a we'll have an excellent um I think our next discussion is really going to be uh, less of a uh, a lesson and more of a spitballing ideas around. So it should be a mm-hmm. lot of fun. Uh, we would definitely appreciate any input that you guys have uh, for how you design your scares for your target audience. Absolutely. Uh, and we will incorporate as many of those comments into our next episode as we can. Right. All uh, right. Fuse housekeeping notices. Um, so as far as social media, you can find us on Twitter at hunting universe one. That's haunting U N I V E R one. K. What's Facebook. That's facebook.com slash haunting you with just the letter U. As far as places you can find us, we are on Podbeam, Stitcher, and iTunes. But yeah, if you guys have any questions on the show, on any of our episodes, or if you just want to ask our opinion on something, send us a message. And if you have any questions for just general nonsense, we always enjoy those too. We excel at nonsense. General nonsense is what I made you going to believe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, And as always, happy haunting. Bye, everyone. Haunting You is a production of the Rocky Mountain Home Haunters, LLC. All audio clips and sound effects are used under a Creative Commons attribution or public domain license from Purple Planet Music at www.purple-planet.com or the sound Bible at soundbible.com. Please see our Facebook page for more information on all the clips used in this episode. Haunting University can be reached via Facebook at www.facebook.com slash hauntingu with the letter U. Or on Twitter using the handle at HauntingUniver1. That's Haunting U-N-I-V-E-R-1. Be sure to check out our new page on Podbean at www.hauntingu.podbean.com. Have you ever seen two giraffes fight? It's terrifying.